everyone. Welcome to our show, Life Hurts, God Heals. Another delightful time to be with all of you as we reflect on our relationship with God. My name is Chris Woolwind. I am your host for this next 45 minutes to an hour. Depends on where we go and and so forth. Try not to rehearse too many things as we talk afresh about what God is doing in our lives. And as you know, the topic today is about faith. Why why faith? Why does it have to be faith? Why does God choose faith? And how is it that faith actually helps me? And how can I develop some handle holds in my own life on this thing called faith? I mean, it's it's one thing to, you know, have a shovel, for instance, or have a tool in my hand, or to be able to see something with my with my eyes, and then I can trust that I can get something done, and I can trust that I can go in a certain direction. But when I have to trust someone I can't see, well, that's a little bit different, isn't it? And nevertheless, there is extraordinary strength and resilience and endurance that comes by faith. I do get why there is so much criticism by those who criticize faith because it's, you know, you can't see it. It's tough. It's tough to understand it. It's far more easier to believe and work with what we see and what we know and what we feel, taste, touch, all those things kinds of things. But as you know, uh, we like to begin uh, every episode kind of in a light-hearted way, and I was examining some of the more amazing facts that we can find in our world today, and uh, I ran across some that I didn't realize, and maybe you knew this. For instance, I didn't know this. There is a highway in Lancaster, California, that plays the William Tell Overture. It literally plays the song. It's called Civic Musical Road, and the road's surface has grooves in it that make the notes of the song when you drive over them at 55 miles an hour. And the grooves were added to the highway in 2008 for use in Honda TV ads. Well, now what? I guess everybody is going to move to Lancaster just because of what I said here on the show. Probably not. At least not during this this pandemic. You know, honestly, I think there is a greater virus in politics than there is in biology right now. Wouldn't you say? Boy, things are really crazy out there. Here's another uh, interesting uh, thing I didn't know. Um, you know, Melbourne, Australia used to be called Batmania. I had no idea. And it got its name uh, from a superhero? No. 
It got its name from John Batman. You know, initially I thought it would be, well, maybe they deal with a lot of bats, you know, centuries ago. But John Batman was one of the settlement's founders. And it carried the name into the mid-19th century, long before Batman arrived, right? And I didn't know that there is a 40-acre desert in Maine. Maybe you didn't know that either. But it's called the Desert of Maine. And it's just outside the town of Freeport. Um, and the other thing I didn't know is that 20% of the popcorn that we eat, consume, in the United States comes from Indiana. Had no idea. So blessings to you, Indiana, because I love popcorn. And where would we be without popcorn? I, I just, I can't even fathom life without popcorn. Well, let's, let's reflect a little bit on this idea of pistis. What, what is that, pistis? Well, that's the noun, the Greek noun for the word faith. And then there's pistos, and, uh, which has to do with the faithful. And then there's pistuo, or pistuo, however you want to put the accent on it, which is the idea of believe. And I, I think that's really where I want to spend some time there uh, is in this idea of believe. It's sometimes used as the word trust um, as well in the, in the New Testament. But anyway, I, I don't want, you know, if you know anything about this show, we don't like really to do Bible studies, or in that case, a word study. <laughs> and we don't want to do any kind of preaching that way. This is really a time of reflection, contemplation, perhaps allowing the Holy Spirit to to clear some things in our in our minds and in our hearts to have a fresh look at what what kind of relationship God wants to have with us. And uh and that's what I'm always looking for and I hope you're looking for that as well, particularly in our culture. I know that every generation needs faith. And of course the scriptures uh, the biblical scriptures teach us that uh, without faith it is impossible to please God. And, uh, you know, when I was reflecting on this, I, I wrote down some thoughts earlier. The idea of of knowing the Lord without physical sensory uh, senses. You know what I mean by that, right? In other words, being able to grow deep in my relationship with God, assuming that I can't see him, taste him, touch him, hear him, at least in the physical sense. I was taken once 
by the idea that uh, for those of you who are familiar with the scriptures, and even if you're not too familiar with the scriptures, you may be aware of an individual in the scriptures who we call John the Baptist. He he was called the baptizer. And he came before Jesus began his ministry to help uh, the people of the land prepare their hearts and minds for the coming of the Messiah. And this was God's great plan, uh, predicted, foretold, prophesied in the Old Testament centuries earlier. And, uh, and so when, when John the Baptist is baptizing people for the purpose of, of uh, well, at least giving people an opportunity to change their heart, to prepare their heart, and so he would do this baptism. It, it was called the baptism of repentance because that's what he was preaching, repentance. Change your heart. Change your life. Uh, stop going in the direction you're going and turn to God so that when the Messiah comes, you will recognize him. Not by facial features, not by the clothes he wears, but by the teaching that he brings. And so it takes a repentant heart toward God to fully understand and embrace the things that God is is bringing. And so John was baptizing people and then Jesus comes and to his John's surprise and you know he's surprised. He he goes, "That's the one." The the Father in heaven had indicated to John that uh, he would be able to recognize who the Messiah was physically because John would see the presence of or the image of or the, the symbolic presentation of a dove coming down out of heaven or the, the, the spirit coming down out of heaven like a dove. However you want to take that, that's not even a big deal, okay? The fact is, is that John recognized him and, uh, and Jesus affirmed it. And then John baptized Jesus. But what strikes, strikes me about this, this whole circumstance with John the Baptist is because John is, is fully convinced by, at that moment that, that Jesus is the Messiah. But later on, in the life of John, he is arrested and imprisoned by King Herod. And uh, while he is locked away, he sends his disciples, John sends his own students out looking for Jesus. And when they find Jesus, the disciples have a question for Jesus from John, their messengers. And John wants to know from Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one? Doesn't that strike you as odd? I mean, John has been given the divine assignment to recognize Jesus. And he does. But now that Jesus has begun his ministry... John's 
faith, shall we say, is wandering a bit. It's weakening, perhaps. He wants to know his his faith and and you know maybe by being in prison has weakened John a bit. I don't know. But somewhere in this in this journey from baptizing in the Jordan to being in prison, something has happened in John and he needs affirmation. His faith needs strengthening. And you know what Jesus does? Jesus Jesus strengthens the faith of John by reminding him of what's actually taking place. The blind see and the deaf hear. That's what the response is of Jesus to the students of John. Tell John the blind see and the deaf hear. And of course, John is very familiar with the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, about the reason and the purpose of of the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus says, you know what? Yes, you recognized me, but I'm doing the things the scripture said. So take heart, John. Take heart. All is good. And I keep thinking to myself, yeah, all is good while I'm in prison. (laughs) And maybe John's faith has wavered because in John's expectation, in John's mind, he never anticipated that he would be locked up. He never anticipated that he would, you know, get in trouble with the law. Sometimes those things are surprising and they can be faith-shaking. Maybe you have some faith-shaking things. And, and when your faith is shaking or shaken, perhaps like in this pandemic, and you're wondering what the future holds and where is God, and those kinds of questions, you know, typically as human beings, when we encounter difficulties, we go to concrete things. You know, if, if, if I'm swimming at a beach and I get tired or a wave swamps me, you know what I'm looking to do? I'm looking to get to solid ground. I'm looking to touch my toes on the ground to make sure that I can have a solid place whereby I can breathe, where I can get my breath, where I can get a a return of strength. We go to concrete things. I think it's interesting that Jesus appealed to concrete things for John. John's in prison, so he tells John, John, guess what? (laughs) Okay, The blind are seeing and the deaf are hearing. Not just in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense. People are having aha moments. They're not just seeing with their physical eyes and hearing with their physical ears. They are seeing with their heart. 
and they are hearing with the heart. And Jesus says, it's happening. And that strengthens John. And we do the same thing. We go to concrete things. Maybe we go to our family. We find comfort. We find assurance from from a marriage or from children or from belonging. It's it it we need that concrete. And yet, you know what's so ironic to me is that faith doesn't seem very solid, does it? doesn't seem very concrete, this idea of faith. And yet that's the whole message, at least in this regard, that we're talking about. The whole message of Scripture is that don't operate by what you see and don't operate by what you hear. Operate by what you believe, Yes, but even more so, what that belief translates into is a knowledge or a knowing, right? A knowing. Isn't it interesting, one of the great um, chapters in the scriptures is Hebrews chapter 11. Sometimes it's called the faith chapter. If you've never read it, that's okay. Read it. It's astounding. And the opening verse of the chapter says this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Boy, there's a lot of content there in that short verse. Faith, believing in something, by God's definition, not by man's definition. You know, man's definition seems to be very weak. Just, just like man's definition of the word hope is, a, is more of a, I wish, I wish, I wish. I hope it happens. I hope something happens. But when you look at the definitions, that God puts in, the meaning that God puts into these words, it's substantially different. Faith is an assurance of things that are hoped for. So, I hope that something is true, but faith says it is true. Faith is is the linchpin, it is the, the diving board into the pool of hope, okay? But that's not the entire definition of faith. It is the conviction of things. It's the knowing of things, the knowledge. Now this is, boy, this gets us into some some big waters this idea of faith 
when we read further on in Hebrews, the writer gives many examples of how people lived by faith. And he begins with understanding. By faith, we understand. See, there's that, there's that sense of, of knowing. By faith, we understand. And you know, when I was going back to, to John and Jesus, Jesus says, the blind see and the deaf hear. What, what, what an interesting corollary to faith, to my faith and your faith. That faith is actually about seeing and hearing, which then leads to a conviction, a knowing. Seeing and hearing that leads to knowing. The writer in Hebrew in verse 3, chapter 11, verse 3, by faith we understand and then he he expands on it and he and he goes through a whole list of people i'm not going to go through the whole chapter here because uh you need to do that this is about this is about the holy spirit teaching you and and uh, clearing ground in your life right rearranging concepts in your life so that you can land on solid footing, a solid beach ground, so that you don't have to keep treading water hoping that something is true. No, we're going to put our feet on the ground because we know something that is true. So the writer says, by faith we understand. And then he gives an example of Abel. You know, remember Cain and Abel. It says, Abel offered something to God by faith. Abel was able to see and hear something through his heart about God. He sees God. He hears God by his heart through through faith. He understands something. And the you know the the chapter goes on by faith uh someone became pleasing to God. And we know that, you know, the scriptures say, without faith it is impossible to please God. Well, thousands of years ago, people figured this out before we ever got to it, this idea of faith in God. That God is pleased by living a life of faith. Not only that, people learned rather quickly that God rewards those who live by faith. He is a rewarder of those who seek him by faith. Now what that what that literally means folks is that God intervenes in a person's life because they are seeking him by faith. They are seeing God by faith. They are hearing God by faith. They're looking for God. They are listening for God. See, see all of these descriptors, these adjectives, let's say, of faith. These are the activities of faith, aren't they? To be listening, to be searching and seeking. Because when we do, God intervenes in our life. 
He interfaces with us. Now, the rest of the world goes, yeah, right. See, there is a mocking voice of the world. Because the mockers say, you can't, you can't operate your life unless you can see with your eyes and, and hear with your ears and touch and taste. Life doesn't operate any other way. But God says, oh, yes, there is so much more to life than this physical dimension. That's what God wants to teach us. God dwells outside the natural. He created the natural, but he dwells outside of it. And he chooses when to step into it. The greatest stepping in is, of course, when he stepped in in person. The Son of God arrives. He arrives into his natural created creation. <laughs> okay, I just love this about about the Lord. He comes from the outside and he steps in. But then he invites us who are on the in of the natural and he invites us to step outside and to see greater and deeper things. You know, when I think of, of the life of Jesus as he's interacting with his, with his disciples, he is constantly, you notice this, right? He is constantly, and I think with a smile on his face most of the time, <laughs> trying to introduce to his disciples, there are greater powers at work outside of the natural, that God actually makes wine out of water instantly, that God makes bread in the desert, cooked bread, not raw bread, cooked bread, and he feeds thousands, maybe 20,000, if you include the women and the children, and that he produces fish in the desert from a few. He's constantly trying to get people, especially his students who are with him full time, to see that God dwells on the outside and that they can dwell with God with eyes of faith, with ears of faith. Who else could walk on water? Peter did. Peter accessed faith. The disciples didn't. They were all hovering in fear in the boat, thinking they're seeing a ghost. Well, you know what? With their physical shortness of faith, that is, they didn't have very much faith, they thought they saw a ghost. They didn't think Jesus was real. But Peter saw Jesus as real and says, Lord, invite me out on the water to be there with you. And Jesus says, come on out. The surf is great. And Peter walks on water. Then he gets afraid. He begins to see the physical and loses sight of the supernatural, the ultra natural and then he sinks and jesus says where's your faith right picks him up and then they walk to the boat together see these are the dynamics that are involved in faith is that god is trying to constantly move us from our natural to the supernatural 
not so much that we have miracles in our life. I don't know if you, you noticed in the scriptures that Jesus didn't make a big deal about miracles. And the teaching of the apostles from Acts and then throughout the letters of the New Testament, they didn't make a big deal about the miracles either. The big deal was that God was, was with them. And that God was using them in however God wanted to use them. They were available. And if God wanted to do something supernatural through them, they were available. They had no problem with it because they saw with eyes of their heart. They heard with the listening ears of their heart. And as a result, they knew things. They came to a conviction of things, a knowledge of things. They understood that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. That's what Hebrews says. And so all these great actions and activities spring out of this relationship that people have by faith with God. I mean, think of Noah. Could you build a boat? You know, almost two football fields long by faith? There was this capacity to, be, to prepare one's life for action by faith. There was obedience by faith. People lived their life by faith. They received abilities by faith. They saw things. They saw things because they had eyes of faith. Not everybody sees it. The world certainly doesn't. The world is hostile toward God, but that doesn't keep God away. God, God keeps coming in. He keeps kicking down doors. He keeps surprising people one-on-one. -on -one. But oftentimes when God surprises people, it doesn't mean that they still want to see God, that they still want to stay with God. What is it that Jesus taught about the parable of the soils? There are some soils of the heart. Some are rocky. Some are filled with thorns. Some are, you know, the pathway, pathways where people walk. People get so busy with life and busy with people. They don't have time to explore God. I mean, God does something marvelous, but it doesn't last. Or the thorns come, you see. Or the birds come along. Things get in the way. Life gets in the way. But there is a soil that is seeking God. That's earnest. That's hungry for the things of God. That's where, that's where I am at, folks. I mean, I've lived a busy life as a pastor, as a father, as a husband. And throughout that time, my seeking for God 
was at a very limited basis. I much preferred to be involved in doing things for God, right? Being busy for God, even being pure for God, making sure I obey the rules for God. And yet when the, the, the challenges came for a deeper life with God, I didn't have time. And then the challenges came. The tough things of life came. The wilderness came. The desert came. The hardships came. And guess who was unprepared for life? All the work in the church certainly didn't prepare me. All the preaching and the teaching didn't prepare me. The limited times of brief prayers that I involved myself in, the lack of personal time with God wasn't enough to prepare me for the deserts, the storms that, that eventually hit and guess what? I found myself floundering, drowning, drifting, depressed, despairing even of life. What was I going to do? How was I going to manage? Unprepared. What I thought was big faith was just big whirlwind DNA. Big willpower, good old-fashioned German willpower, right? Thankfully, though, God understands that, that we as believers, His children, we go through these phases of learning, of self-independence, of brokenness, of searching, and all along, God is using us. He uses us in our learning stage. He uses us in our independent stage. He uses us in our brokenness. And He uses us when we finally find solid ground. But that doesn't mean the world gets quieter. It doesn't mean that the challenges go away. Or that grief and sorrow and sadness don't go away. But it does mean that God has hollowed us out a little bit. And put more of himself in as we seek him. And I'm convinced that, especially when I look in the scriptures. And I see young men and women in their teens and 20s and 30s, exhibiting extraordinary faith in God, enduring fantastic hardships for God, that I realize, oh, yeah, you know, I could have had a greater faith. I could have experienced a much deeper walk with God. But I got caught up in the affairs of get quote-unquote ministry. I'm not saying the ministry was invalid at all. My heart was good and right, was pure, but I was just missing out 
on the great the great treasures of trusting God. When I think of young Joseph, when I think of a young David, when I think of a young Hannah, when I think of teenagers, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when I think of a Mary, when I think of uh, the gleaming eyes of of uh, young disciples. Extraordinary faith these folks had. Not always perfect. Not always perfect at all. I mean, every single one of those guys I mentioned found discouragement, and, and ladies, you know, Hannah and Mary, there were great times of discouragement. But boy, they were miles and miles ahead of me when I was that age, floundering around after seminary and college, trying to figure out what my life is like with God. Anyway, I want you to think about those things. I need to uh, mention some, do, do just a couple of brief commercials, and then I've got some closing, some closing uh, challenges for us. So, you know, this show, Life Hurts, God Heals, is part of what is what what is uh, linked local network, okay? Which is a a conglomeration of of um, shows and in, networks and interactions, uh, both business, private, personal, in which there is a great concern for for personal health and wholeness, success, all those kinds of things. So we're part of this linked local network. Um, and so I encourage you to, to get on Linked Local Network and check out all the myriad of, of resources that are available to, to help you improve your life and, and so forth. And uh, there are some shows that uh, I want to draw your attention to. One is Community Voices, where you can just interact with other people. That's every other Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And then there's Pillars of Franchising, if you're into... Uh, building your own home business or your or your own business for that matter uh, just some great tips and boy in a in a pandemic situation where the future is a little uncertain what better time to listen to this this show this this show happens on Thursdays at 4 p.m. and you can subscribe to a linked local network and 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 get access to uh, a huge resource base of podcasts and teaching and so forth. You can access these podcasts on your iTunes and your FM player. And uh, we'd encourage you to check out our previous uh, Life Hurts, God Heal broadcasts. Uh, we're in season two already of this. And uh, would encourage you to check those out at Linked Local Network. You can also find these episodes on our Facebook page, Life Hurts, God Heals. You can just scroll on down and, and see all of the, the interviews we've done so far as we reflect on life uh, through the filter of scriptures and through the experience of people growing in their relationship with God, like yourself, I trust. And we also have an email, Life Hurts, God Heals 2020 at gmail.com life hurts god heals 2020 at gmail.com all right so we've been reflecting on faith 
the aspects of growing in faith. I want to I want to take us a little bit deeper on on where to go with faith. I mean, we've got faith. We believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, the Savior of our life. He He died for our sins, and He re, He reconnected us with the Father in heaven, and and we have that connection now through the presence and gift of the Holy Spirit of God within each one of us. And so there are. Uh, great dimensions, great visions and vistas out there for us to explore this relationship with God. In fact, this morning I was thinking about uh, the show this evening and and realizing that because God is an infinite God, that when we talk about knowing God, there, you know, when well, don't jump ahead, Chris. I was going to say, you know, when you're in a relationship with a spouse or you're in a relationship with your children or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know, that relationship grows by getting to know one another, right? And after you've uh, been in that relationship for years, um, it's imperative to keep growing. It's imperative to keep knowing. But oftentimes you think you know the other person. And you'll often say that, well, I know what they're like, or they know me. And we we tend to put limitations on those things. But do you realize that in your relationship with God, there is no limitation? Because he's an infinite God, and he's brought you into his life and heart. And he says, you know what? There is a lot. There is a real light, a, a, a mega lot that you do not know about me. You don't know me as well as you think you know me. But I'm inviting you to know me. I want you to know how faithful I am to you. I want you to know that I believe in you. Right? There's that word faith. I I believe in you. And I want you to know That when you believe in me, I'm going to make you stronger. I'm going to make you more equipped. I'm going to enlarge your capacities. Because that's the way I made your heart. That's the way I made your ID, your identification, your personhood. I made you, designed you to always grow always grow. Your body may be dying. Your mind not might not be what it used to be. Your access to your mind, okay? As we get older, we lose all these physical capacities. But your identification and what you know by faith is never lost. It continues to grow. Now, you may when you get to heaven, you may lose all of that trivia knowledge you had about earth because earth is gone. God is creating this new heaven, a new earth, a new age, and he's giving you a new body. And he wants to be with us face to face. I think it's interesting that as our faith grows 
strong. We begin to know things deep, deep, rooted deep down in us. So that when my faith is strong, it's not about what I see. It's not about sensory input. It is about a deeper consciousness of God's presence. In the darkness, He is light. In the time of need, He is my completeness. In the time of emptiness, He is my fullness. Facing death is about walking toward it, not running away. The Lord's joy is to have me be with Him. And we draw close to Him when we walk toward the things that are meant to, to destroy us. God says, you know what? Those things that the world intends for your destruction, I intend for your good. It's going to build your relationship with me. Facing personal destruction, are you? Like I did? Walk toward it. Because God wants us to let go of fear. He wants us to see that He is in the fire. He is in the dark. He is in the destruction. Facing the enemy's attack on my family means walking toward it in prayer, in thanksgiving, in faith, in knowing that God's goodness never disappears. See? Helping someone who is broken. Have you ever saw someone and you tried to avoid them? Ah, but a deep faith in God. Finding someone who is broken means walking toward them. Perhaps to bring God's message of healing. Helping someone who is suicidal means walking toward them to bring God's affection and love. Helping someone who is scared means going toward them, being with them, bringing God's hope. Helping someone who is grieving means going toward them, grieving with them because God grieved in your grief. God came to you. God came to me. Let me challenge you with that. When I think of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel in the lion's den, the three buddies, right? Facing the fire. Did they quiver during the night? I don't know. But boy, when they came to King Nebuchadnezzar, there was no fear. It was like, bring the fire. We're ready to, we're ready to dive into it, King Nebuchadnezzar. Let's jump in. And all King Nebuchadnezzar would do was heat the fire seven times hotter. But it didn't matter. Someone showed up in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar didn't know who it was. He just, he just said, it, it's like one of the sons of God. But we know, don't we? Because God shows up in the darkness. He shows up in the destruction. He shows up in your heart. And he is there every day. God shows up in the pandemic. He shows up in your quarantine. 
Do you see him? Do you hear him? If not, or it's difficult, would you start looking for him? Would you start listening for him? He's speaking. He's speaking. But I tell you what, if you're, you know, if you're a sheep and he's the shepherd, but you're way off on a hill side, that when God is speaking, you can't hear. What good is that? Draw near to the shepherd. He knows your name. What did Jesus say? say he's, he says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me and I know them. When I call, they hear my voice. Would you start seeking, looking for, and listening for God? All right. Some thoughts to contemplate. Sure love having you listen to this program and uh, encourage you to keep growing, keep drawing strength, through your faith in God. God bless you this week. Bye now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.